As we get into this message here this morning, I just want to say a quick word of prayer just uh, to dedicate this message to God. So let's, uh, let's pray. Dear God, I just uh, come before you right now, Lord, and, and you are so good. You are so good to us, Lord, and we just, uh, we just thank you so much for who you are and all that you have done and the Holy Spirit that you've given to us to guide us in our path. And so, Lord, today I just pray that whatever I say, they would not be my words, but they'd be your words and anything that's true, seal them up in our hearts and whatever's false, just let it fall by the wayside. And God, we just, uh, we just ask, Lord, right now that your name would be honored, that you would be glorified by all that's said and done here this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 All right, so we are kicking off a new series today called Understanding Your Sixth Sense. And uh, the sermon for today is actually Don't Be Deceived. All right, but Understanding Your Sixth Sense, and, and it's really an honor for me to be able to um, be able to preach this and open this up for you because this this. Ser- this particular series actually started six years ago in three months, okay? Six years and three months ago, there we go. Um, there's a long backstory. I'm not going to go through the whole story. I'm going to condense it very quickly, but just to give you an idea of where this happened, back in February of 2012, God had really laid in my heart at that point in time a message, a book that he wanted me to write, and so, um, so it actually started before that, but I can point to this actual day. So February of 2012, I, I was part of a, a camp ministry and a board, and so they let me uh, use one of their cabins, and I went into the, to the woods, and I got in the cabin, and I locked the doors, and I prayed and fasted for three days and three nights, and I wrote this book. And uh, I wish that I could say when I got done on those three days that I came out and the book was done and ready to be published, but that was just the beginning because another six years passed. Um, and six years later, I get to present this book to you, but it was only through, it wasn't complete in that, in that day. I had to go through six years of the darkest years of my life and, and my walk with God because we can't really take someone somewhere that we've never been. And so God had to allow me to go through some things in those last six years that I, I wasn't really prepared for, nor do I really want to ever have to go through again. But if God can help you learn something through that, then that's what I'm glad to be able to do here today. So out of that, we are able to, I'm able to present to you this book called Understanding Your Sixth Sense. Um, and on the inside cover, it says, Don't Be Deceived. And one of the reasons why is because uh, as we go through this and as you hear this message series over the next three weeks, um, it's easy for us as humans to be deceived along the way, all right? And I have to say the only reason why this book is even done is because uh, of many people who have invested in me along the way, and because uh, trust me, if it would have been up to me, I would have, actually, I did chuck it across the room several times, because of all the critiques, and I mean, it just is, uh, if you've never written a book, it is one of the most painful processes. I don't ever want to do it again. Um, but I know that I, the reason why I'm up here is I want to be faithful to what it is that God's asked me to do. And so as my church family, my local church, here's what I want to commit to you. Um, number one, you're the guinea pigs. So if anybody's going to get anything out of it, it's going to be you uh, while I'm alive. Um, and so if, if God wants to use this while I'm alive, I'm going to try and get it while I'm alive. If he wants to use it when I'm dead posthumously, I'm okay with that too. I am following in God's steps and being obedient with this and trusting him with the outcome. So you're here today as part of that outcome. But I believe with the core of my being that if I'm going to be faithful with all that God has stewarded to me, that I have to be able to give an opportunity to try and uh, express this message while I'm actually still living. So that's what we're going to do this morning. And I start up uh, starting up a ministry called Sixth Sense Ministries, and it's all about um, helping people understand the role of the Holy Spirit. But if you want to know where we're going over the next three weeks, uh, it's going to be this. Today we're talking about what is your sixth sense? What, is, what role does the Holy Spirit play in that? Next week we're going to be talking about the stages 
of our journey through the cross of Christ and what that really looks like. And then the last week, Matt's going to be closing it out with what is the freedom that Christ really brings and the Holy Spirit really brings us to when we embark upon this journey and what's that destination really look like. So it's, we can't go through the whole book, so if you want to get a, a jump start on that, you can buy it online on Amazon.com. Just Google my name. Don't Google the book because if you Google Sixth Sense, it'll come up with some weird thing because Sixth Sense, most people, it's really dark and mysterious. And I don't know if you've noticed this picture, but um, it's a stick figure. I am the illustrator as well. Thank you very much. Yes, my paintings will be on sale at the Smithsonian. Um, so uh, just joking. Uh, so I am actually the illustrator, obviously. But I, what I did, I did it on purpose because I want it to be simple. I want people to understand it is not dark. It is not soup. It is supernatural. It's not mysterious. It's God has made himself available to us, and I want it to be as simple as a stick figure walking across the cross of Christ and helping us understand. And so what I've done is I've given picture illustrations, because I'm like a kid at heart, so a picture is like a thousand words, but I'm also an adult, so I've got the thousand words to go along with the picture to explain it, all right? So uh, that's what we're going to do, and we're going to try and download that in the next three weeks. So if you want to know where we're going, buy it online. And just so you know, um, any book that's sold out in the lobby today, they're proof copies. Uh, all that money goes to stewards of the game. And then online, if you buy a copy, 10% goes directly to the church out of the profits. And then 20% goes directly to stewards of the game as well. I'm just here to try and help. Uh, and that's for until the end of July. So any online sales goes to that for the end of July. I just want to be responsible to help get this message out there. And so that's the end of what I'm going to say about the book. So let's dive into the message. Um, as I've been ministering over the years, there's two things I've noticed when people come to God and when they're, when they're on their quest for God, what they're really looking for are two things, either truth or love or a combination of the two. They're looking for truth or love or a combination of the two. And I want to explain that a little bit more and why that is. And I want to use, I want you to imagine on their quest for God, I want you to put a, in your brain a little lowercase g, all right? Because not everybody's looking for the God. All right, everybody's looking for a God. And when we're on our quest, when we're on our journey, um, everybody's looking for in their own path. And God has allowed us, the God, the Yahweh, the one of the scriptures, he has allowed us to journey this way on our own with his guidance, trying to guide us to the truth. But the reality is the world around us has given us all kinds of options and we have to figure out, okay, what that is. And so when we begin to look at what are the motivating factors for what drive people on their quest for God, truth and love have been the two things that if you reduce it all down, those are the two elements and the pillars that really come out. And here's why I'll tell you that. And so if you begin to think about every religion in the world and every, every, every religion offers you the ability to have some sort of community. All right? That's that love. We're looking for relationship. We're either looking for relationship in the God or we're looking for the relationship in a, in a camaraderie of people or we're looking for some other sort of relationship. We're looking to have some sort of fulfillment. Okay? That's, the, that's the love side. We're looking for love and acceptance. The other side of that is some people say, well, I'm agnostic. I'm atheist. I don't even have a God. Yes, you do. If you're agnostic or atheist, you are God. All right? So you're worshiping yourself because you think you know more than the God. So the reality is you've set yourself up as God. So as much as you're trying to deny your search for God, you're actually searching for God, you just don't admit it. All right? So in that moment, someone is God, we're all, we're all looking for God, 
And what's really happening there, though, we're searching for truth. And so we've, we've done all kinds of things in the name of truth and searching out knowledge and understanding. I mean, look at the Hadron Collider and then all the other new things. That one's shutting down, I think, in 2021, and they're building four in its place across the world to do some crazy things and, and learn about neutrinos and all kinds of other stuff. And I don't know if you're into that, but it's fascinating stuff. But it's all our quest for knowledge and truth. And so here's the really cool thing about Jesus Christ. Jesus is the essence of truth and love all wrapped up in one person. And so all of our answers to the search and quest for God can be found in Jesus. And so during our life, this idea and this quest that everybody's on is being driven by a supernatural longing for something more. That supernatural longing for something more, regardless of who you are, regardless of your quest, is being driven by your sixth sense your spiritual sense you want more there's something more out there you may not know what it is but it's pushing you towards some deeper understanding and that's what this is all about it's understanding how do we journey along this journey answering the questions that our sixth sense brings up in our minds the good news is this you're on this journey along the road with thousands of others millions of others billions of others who have been doing this for millenniums all right and we've all been looking for the same thing. We've all been looking for either truth and love and all of these things. So uh, in my book, as the author and illustrator, again, uh, you know, these wonderful books, so we have this picture, all right? So we, we were born into this world, and we have this sixth sense, this guiding spirit to us that's pushing us towards some religion, all right? We have Buddhism and Islam and Mormonism and Hindu and Rastafarianism and Confucianism and Taoism, and I know there are ways of thought, but a lot of people worship them too. Jesus Christ, we have, and you could, you could throw up in there so many different religions. But can they all be correct? You see, today's title is entitled, today's sermon is entitled, Don't Be Deceived. So what I'm saying through the book is, as our sixth sense is pushing us there, uh, just like our, sixth sense, our other five senses, you know, your sight, smell, hearing, all that, they can be deceived if you've ever seen a good illusionist or a magician. I mean, there is dark magic, so there's a supernatural element to that, but there's also just master illusionists. And, but they can trick us. It's like, oh, that's so cool. Well, the reality is your sixth sense can be tricked too. Your sixth sense can be deceived just as much as your five senses can be. And so what I've tried to do and embark upon writing this book is I really believe that we, there's an answer out there. We don't have to be deceived by all these. But I will say this, and I believe this to the core of my being. Every religion of the world has a semblance of truth. But as we walk the path with whatever religion, with whatever else religion we go to, it's going to leave you without a complete road. You're going to drop off the edge. It's going to leave you frustrated. It's going to leave you empty. It's going to leave you dead. It's going to leave you, it's just going to leave you. It doesn't reach to the end. And that's because Satan, our enemy, knows what it is that you're looking for. So we've got to figure out how do we make sure that we go across that, that cross how do, we, how do we make sure that we can get across this divide without being deceived? That's the real question. <laughs> I'm so glad you asked me the answer because I'm going to tell you. All right, so here's what it is. Uh, Sixth Sense Ministries is all about helping us learn how to relate to the Holy Spirit with God. Okay? We want to, the Holy Spirit has been given to us so that we can have a relationship with God. And the Holy Spirit's been given to us to drive us to the truth. The Holy Spirit's been given to us to guide our sixth sense so that we don't get deceived. But just like anything else, we can put a block up in that. And I'll talk about that in a minute. But I want you to see through the Word of God 
why this is true. So let's turn to the book of Romans. Romans 2.14 says this, For when the Gentiles, okay, and the Gentiles were everybody but the Israelites in the Bible times, okay, when everybody but the Jews, who do not have the law, by nature do what the law requires, all right? So what they're saying is when people who don't even know God do what it is that God wants, why does that happen? They are a law to themselves, even though they don't have a law. So these laws are in them, even though they don't have the law, it's just in them. There's some moral code that's guiding them along the way uh, in, this path, in this journey. Keep going. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, and the hearts there is the mind, all right? So what they're, when, when those who don't know Jesus are actually doing what it is that Jesus reflects, what they're showing is they're just proving that God is written on our hearts. They're, they're guided by their sixth sense, whether or not they're giving actual uh, um, awareness to where it's coming from in their life. But they're still being guided by it, because watch what happens. While their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts, conflicting thoughts because they think they're actually following this, but in reality, what it's saying, whether their conflicting thoughts accuse them or even excuse them, on that day, when they are judged according to the gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. So even though they may not know why they're doing it, even though they may not think or give credit to Jesus Christ, even though they may happen upon the right thing, the reality is it's only because of Jesus Christ. All truth starts with Jesus Christ. And that sixth sense has been given to us from our birth. And I don't care what you believe. I mean, I do care, but I'm not going to get into that. I don't care where you think existence came from, but when we came into existence, when God created us, he put this DNA within us. It's what separates us from the animal kingdom. He put this desire to know him within us. And so then what he did, until we choose Jesus, he sent the Holy Spirit to guide us. And in, in my book, you'll see this little, like, blue little teardrop because it's a fascinating illustration. It's like this breath, all right? And so the breath of God, and if you read Genesis, it says that God breathed life into man. It's, man is the only one that he breathed the life into, and that's actually the, the breath of God. It's the spirit. God gave man his spirit. And so that's the breath. The little blue teardrop is like a breath blowing on the person. And the Holy Spirit's guiding humanity to the cross of Christ. And we have evidence of this. Even for the Gentiles who don't know God, if they're genuinely searching for God, if they're genuinely searching for their lowercase g, they'll find their capital G because the Holy Spirit is going to drive them to the cross of Christ. They will find it. And I could give you thousands of examples there are books written how those that are in, in the 1040 window who are finding Christ through dreams right now. There's no missionary that's ever been there and they're finding Jesus because they're genuinely searching for God. I could give you all kinds of illustrations, but it answers the argument. So many people are like, well, is God really a just God and how can he say that he's got the right, that he's the only way? Well, because he's God. He gets to say that. And so I've given you a book to kind of answer, or a book, a picture to kind of show you this. All right, so let's go to my next picture here. All right. So in this process, we, we hear all these things about, well, how can we really choose that Jesus Christ is the only way, and, and where's the, the exclusivity in that, and why do Christians get to say that? And here's what I want to challenge you. Uh, Christians don't get to say that, the Christ is, that Christ is the only way. Christians don't get to say that the cross is the only way. Jesus gets to say that the cross is the only way. 
right? Jesus is the one who says he is the only way. And as Christians, I don't even like the word Christian. In fact, in my book, you won't even hear the word Christian. The word Christ follower. Because when we understand what Christ did, we are going to follow Christ. In Christianity, what that does is that reflects religiosity. Christ follower represents a relationship. Christianity reflects just like all the other religious acts that are out there. And we, we go through a set of routines because we think that's what we got to do in order to earn some sort of salvation. And Jesus says, no, I am the way. And he says, follow me. And that's what we've got to do. And so if we look at the next passage of scripture, uh, it says in John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the other side of that chasm except through me. So when you are faced with that question, how can you dare say that Jesus is the only way? Because Jesus said it. I mean, that's our only answer. It's not because we're trying to be exclusive. It's not because we're trying to be judgmental. It's because we follow Jesus. And if we follow Jesus, we have to repeat what Jesus said. And Jesus told the world, hey guys, you're going to have all these other conflicting experiences. You're going to have all these other conflicting religions. But I'm really the only way. You want to get to God? You want truth? You want life? You want love? Come find me. Follow me, and I'm going to show you the way. And man, that's what Jesus did. And so it's really cool to be able to see how God has given us His self through the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit then comes along after Christ, and the Holy Spirit comes along, and He starts teaching us and equipping us on how to be a better follower of Christ. And the Holy Spirit is given to us so that we can understand the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, so that then we can become the physical representation of Christ who is in heaven, who walked the face of this earth. He gave the charge to the church that we are now the physical representation to the world of truth and life. And so that's where this all comes in. And so he says, the Holy Spirit's going to come along behind me and help you do that. So we've got to ask ourselves, is this really true? Is this really accurate? Do we really see the book of Romans coming alive? Do we really see people on their quest and search and knowledge of truth and, and looking for God? And I, if you just are honest with yourself, I think you've got to admit, yeah, every, people are looking for something. Now, they may not even know what they're looking for. They might be really good people, and they just happened upon some good teachings somewhere along the line, but the reality is the Holy Spirit is pushing them and drawing them to the cross of Christ. And the only way to get the Holy Spirit is to have Christ in our lives. The only way for us to have this experience and understand how to listen to the Holy Spirit guide us along is when we choose to follow Christ. He's always a presence beforehand, but when we acknowledge Christ and what he did, then we get the Holy Spirit to live inside of us. Okay. Now, there's, this, there's a passage in Scripture. Throughout this series, you're going to hear me um, probably just get passionate, number one, but that's okay. Um, but you're going to hear me talk about the Holy Spirit and how He guides us and directs us. And there's a passage of Scripture that has just rocked my world, and this passage is a passage that has challenged me to the core of my being, and I, and I pray to God that it challenges you too, and it comes out of John. And these are, these are Jesus' words. Okay? So we, we understand that people are, are being pushed, they're being drawn to the cross. And then we, we go to Jesus' life. And look at what Jesus says in John 14. Verily, truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. Whoever believes in Jesus, this is Jesus, this is no one else, this is Jesus' words to his church. 
to those who say they believe in him, to those who say they're following Christ. They will do the works that I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these. And that messes my world up. Who am I, a finite human being, to begin to imagine that I could do something greater than my Savior Jesus? How could Jesus, the Savior of mankind, the creator of the universe, the author of all life, how could he possibly tell his finite, human, sinful, fallen beings that they are going to do greater things than he did? Now, I don't know about you, but I think a lot of people gloss over that passage. And, in a, and, and it shouldn't be. Because look at what he says. He says, and the reason why you're going to do greater things is because I'm leaving you guys. I'm sick of this earth. <laughs> I mean, that's not what he said, but that's how I interpret it. No, he's going to the Father. And he says, I'm gone. I'm out of here. And you guys are going to carry the torch. You're going to do greater things than I have done. But what has happened to the church? Why? I don't know about you, but when I look at my life and I think, Lord, but I haven't. Where's, where's the truth in that statement? What am I missing? What is the church of God missing in this world that we are not doing greater things than our Savior has done? And I, and I want to say right now, church, we have left, been left impotent by the teachings that have been handed down to us because we do not understand the theology of the Holy Spirit. We get wrapped up in the doctrine of the Holy Spirit instead of the power of God. And when we get the understanding of the theology of the Spirit, we're going to be able to see this come alive. And you want to know why? Because Jesus kept talking. All right, so let's see what Jesus said. Verse 13, he says, And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Now, here's what happens. We oftentimes stop at that passage. I don't know about you, and I'm not going to try and step on your toes, but if I'm stepping on them, I'm probably jumping on them, all right? So if you're a prosperity preacher or you're a prosperity believer, I'm sorry, but there is nothing about this passage that can get you a Learjet or a pink Cadillac, all right? Because that's not what Jesus is saying here. He does say, whatever you ask in my name, you'll do, but why? To glorify the preacher of prosperity so he can get his fifth Learjet in his $100,000 wardrobe? No. He gives us what we ask for to glorify the Son, not the man, not the denomination, not the church, the Son, and keep going. Go to the next one. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me and keep my commands, keep going, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you, to be with you forever. When God, when Jesus left this earth, he promised those that he was leaving behind, I'm going to go to the Father, you're going to do greater things, but I'm sending someone to help you. I'm sending someone to guide you. Who is that helper? Who is that guide? The Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. Once Jesus left, he sent the Spirit to be with us. The world cannot accept him. Here's the, the sixth sense. Remember the picture. The picture says a thousand words. We go back to it. The world cannot accept him. Why? Because it neither sees him nor knows him. It's like the sixth sense. It's that supernatural sense. We can't see it. We just know that it exists. They can't see the Holy Spirit because they don't know him. Why don't they know him? Because they haven't accepted Jesus. They haven't believed in the work of Christ yet. They may feel his presence, but once they know him, once they accept Christ, then they will know him. Watch. But you know him. Why? For he lives within you 
and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. Jesus says, I'm not going to go away. I'm not going to my Father and leaving you alone. You don't have to worry. You don't have to be strung out. You don't have to be anxious. I'm going to send you someone even better than myself. Amen. All right, amen. I'm going to send you someone even better than myself. Wow, this is Jesus. How could you get better than Jesus? Because Jesus says someone better is coming. Someone that can be with you all the time. Jesus says, hey dude, I'm a man. I mean, I'm God too, but my physical being is here. I'm going to send someone that can be with all of y'all at the same time. The Spirit. All right, keep going. Or don't go. I didn't finish that. Let me go back and finish that. I will come to you, and before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. How will we see him? How will we sense the Spirit? Because I live, and you also will live. We just got done singing about it. And on that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. All because of the work of the Holy Spirit and what He has done in our lives and what He is doing in our lives. The Spirit of God comes alive within us. We literally have the presence of God living inside of us. We are going to do greater things in Him because we have Him in us. We are a reflection of Him. But the problem with the world is this, and the problem with the church is this, is all we've been preaching to people is that if you just believe in Jesus, you will get saved from hell. And while that is true, there's nothing false about that. If that's all you believe Jesus for, you have sold yourself short of what it is that God has come to do in your life. There is so much more than just absence of hell and absence of damnation. There is life and there is liberty and there is freedom. And God wants you to experience it. And he wants you to show the world. Man, God is good. And it's all represented in the power of the Holy Spirit coming alive in us. And he's given us access to it. He wants his children to come alive with the power of the Spirit of God, the living God within us. And for too long, we've just been preaching, get saved. And God says, no, there's so much more. That is part of it. But there's so much more than that. And then he goes on and he says, and I don't know if you know what was happening in the temple, but I'll give you a couple ideas here in a second. But I want you to understand that your body, the thing that you walked into those doors in, that is, that is the literal temple of the living God. What you do with this body, you are doing with God. Okay, He is in you, according to the words, according to what Jesus said. You are one with the living God because of what the Holy Spirit's doing. So is that true according to the Scriptures? Let's go to the Scriptures. Ephesians 1.13 says... You were also included in Christ when you heard the message of the truth, truth of God, truth and love, truth, God is, Jesus Christ is truth, the cross, the gospel, the good news, the gospel of your salvation. When you, what's the word? When you believed, look at the supernatural process that happens. At that point in time, when you believed in the gospel of your salvation, when you put your faith and trust in the cross of Jesus Christ, when you're like, Jesus is the only way across, you were marked with him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. In that moment, the God of this universe supernaturally indwells with inside of you. Praise Jesus. You are now the temple. Look at what happens. Keep going. And the Holy Spirit is a deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance. That's the, that's the salvation from the hell. Yes, that happens. Until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of who? His glory. 
Not our glory, not man's glory. We are now a temple of God so that we can bring glory to his name. Amen. Man, that's awesome. So we literally get to, we get to be on mission with God, not because we're special, but because he lives in us. And everything I do, everywhere I go, everything I say, is it a reflection of God? And I'm here to tell you, the rest of this journey, the rest of the book talks about all the little steps and all the little frustrations and all the little things. Oh, I didn't represent God very good there. And the reason why we don't represent God there good is because we don't really understand what the Holy Spirit came to do in us. Now look at, look at what he says in Corinthians. Just to make sure that you understand, this isn't just my words. This is literally happening in you. As you walk through those doors right now, the Holy Spirit is doing something in you. Whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Flee from sexual immorality. All the other sins a person commits are outside the body. Whoever sins sexually is, sins against his own body. But look at what happens. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you? whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought with the price. You were bought with the blood of Jesus. Jesus paid the price. You are now a follower of him. Do you not know that what you do in the body is a reflection of Christ? Man, when we understand, he says, when you go back to that one verse in in Matthew, he says, teaching them to do all that I have commanded you. When you obey me, I I will do greater things in your life. But when we get on this cross of Christ, we're content to say, oh, I believe I'm saved. And then we sell ourselves short of a lifetime of what God could do in us if we grasped what it was that the Holy Spirit really came to do in our lives. The Holy Spirit has been sent to guide the word, guide the world into all truth. Okay? At this point on the cross, okay, I was talking about the temple. I don't know if you know this, but up until that point in time, the, the, the people were only allowed to go to the temple to worship God. And they weren't even allowed in the presence of God. In fact, the priest, the high priest, he was only allowed in the presence of God once a year. And it was such a big deal that they tied little bells around him, and they tied a little rope around his leg, and he walked behind the curtain. He walked behind the veil. And some say the veil was up to 12 inches thick. We don't really know. We haven't seen it, but going by things and archaeology. And so the, the high priest went into the presence of God, And if the bells stopped ringing, that means they drug out a dead body. Literally, okay? Because no one could stand in the presence of God because we were separated from the presence of God with a veil. And here's the beautiful thing we just got done singing about. You sang it. I don't know if you know you sang it, but you sang it, all right? It says that the veil was torn. When Jesus died, he tore the veil. What he did is he said, no longer is man separated from the presence of God. When he was with the woman at the well, he said, right now you worship in the temple. Right now you worship in the synagogue. But there will be a day where you are going to worship me in spirit and in truth. Why? Because the spirit of God is living in you. And you can worship God in your temple any day you want, any second you want, any minute that you want. Because the Holy Spirit is alive and well. Man, that's exciting. Good stuff. All right. So, and it just gets better. And better and better and better as we go through this. So we're going to discover along the way what it is that the Holy Spirit gives us access to. So the problem that happens in the world today and in the church today, we have all but castrated ourselves from the power of God. And the reason why I use a strong word there, I literally mean it, we don't even know what the Holy Spirit is capable of. Because we get in this thing we call doctrinal fights. And you will not hear a word in my book, I was going to show you, not my book, because 
It's not in the book, all right? There's no doctrine in the book of God. There's theology in the book of God. Doctrine is man-made interpretation of how we interpret the Holy Spirit. We don't need 264 denominations to try and get this Holy Spirit thing right. We are arguing about the Holy Spirit, and you won't find it in my book because I don't find it in the book, all right? When you start studying the Holy Spirit, you will find that the Holy Spirit has come to do amazing things in your life. He has come to set us free. He has come to give us liberty. He has come to give us the presence of God. We are children of God. We are heirs with Christ. We are given. Jesus says, I am going to give you the keys to my kingdom. Whoo! Man, I could preach on this all day long, but I'm not going to. The keys to the kingdom. He calls us brothers and sisters. We are equal inheritors with Jesus. And the church has for too long made the pastors for too long have made the church impotent of what the church can really do because we don't even understand it ourselves. The last six years, even as hard as they were, there's no way I would trade them because I wouldn't have been able to finish the book. I wouldn't have been able to tell you about what I believe that I wrote about. And what's funny, or absolutely frustrating, is I wrote about it six years ago, and I lived it the last six years. That was not good. You'll hear about that more last, next week. But the reality is, is you're on your own quest. You're on your own journey. You're on your own path with the Holy Spirit guiding you along the way. I don't know where that's at in your life but we're going to discover what it is that the Holy Spirit has given us access to in our lives, not just what he saved us from, all right? Because he has saved us from a lot, but he's also given us access to even more. So the question is, do we want what it is that God has really given us access to? That's the beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit. So my challenge to you is this today. I don't know where you're at on your journey as you walked in through those doors today. I don't know what it is that God has called you to. I don't know where you're struggling or where you're... I don't know if you haven't even chosen to follow Jesus Christ yet. But here's the beautiful thing. If you haven't made a conscious decision to follow Jesus yet this morning, you want to know what I believe? That you listen to his promptings and you're here today. You listened because you're searching for something. You're already saying, you know what, I don't know. I've never really put my full... I've, I've kind of been living one foot on, one foot off. I kind of talk about them, but I don't really believe them. Shoot, I don't even know if I believe anything. I'm just kind of out there floating in the world. I'm just here kind of checking things out. I'm here to be, keep my wife or family happy because we're celebrating Memorial Day, and if I didn't go, it'd make the world a mess, and i got to be here, so just get this over with. Dinner's waiting. I don't know where you're at, but the Holy Spirit does, and you're here for a reason. And so my challenge to you today is this. If you want the Holy Spirit to walk with you like this and, what, and you want to get what it is that we've been talking about, then you've got to acknowledge what Jesus Christ did on the cross because he's the only way to get you there. Right? He's the only way that you're going to get the seal of the Holy Spirit. So if you've never made that decision, then today's the day. Today's the day where you say, like, you know what? I want that. Right? So I'm, I'm just going to give you the option. I, I don't even know. I don't, I don't know. I, and I'm not big into altar calls and close your eyes and playing sappy songs. I'll give you one option, man. If you want Jesus, raise your hand. If you don't, then if you've never made that decision and you want him today, just raise your hand. I'm going to pray for you right now. Actually, if I can see it. All right, we got one. That is awesome. I want to see you too. I want to see, I want to see you guys after church, all right? I want to pray with you. Here's why. You want to know why? Because now that you just did that, you've got the Holy Spirit giving you access to the fullness of the kingdom of God. 
And here's what's going to happen, because now you're on board with the rest of us that have chosen that. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's not necessarily the easiest thing, right? Because the rest of the way of the cross, the rest of it, the rest of my book is devoted to helping us understand the different stages of the cross. The one thing that I've learned through ministry is that our lives are all different, but there's some trademarks that kind of follow us all the way through. And I want to, and I've written a book, I'm pretty transparent in it. And I want you to understand the process. And my whole goal is if, if I can reduce the learning curve for someone in this world, then praise be to God. I get sick of leaders who laugh and joke and think that's just a rite of passage. I don't think it's a rite of passage. I think it's the responsibility of leaders among us to tell you to avoid the mistakes that they've made. I believe it is the role of the church to help people understand what it is that God has saved them for. And that's what we want to be able to do through the rest of this series. I wish it were easy. I wish you would have no hiccups along the line. I wish you wouldn't jump on the grace of Jesus Christ, but your teen years in your faith are coming. You're going to abuse the cross of Christ, and it is not going to crumble. And for all those that think that's when people are backsliding, no, that's just when they're going through their teen years of Jesus. Okay? And some teens, some people live in their teen years on the cross for a really, really long time. But the grace of Christ is strong enough to withhold that. But does that mean that's where he wants us? No, because if that's where you're living, you'll find out what happens there. That's not a good place. Come back. Keep coming back. Hear the rest of it. Pick up the book. God has something more in store for you. He has something greater for each and every single one of us that call upon his name. Let's pray. God, you are so amazing. Lord, we are humbled by the fact that we get to be on this journey with you, that we are, that we are truly the embodiment of your physical presence right now. And in some supernatural way, you have chosen your people to be a reflection of you in this world. And Lord, when we get that, that literally transforms the way that we interact with you and with others. And Lord God, today, those that chose to follow you this morning, I pray, God, that the power of your Holy Spirit would just come alive in them and that they would understand you in a whole new way and that the games would be done and the search would be over and the light of the illumination of the Holy Spirit would come alive in their life in a way that they never even knew possible. God, I just anoint them with the power of your Holy Spirit that that would be today. The light would come on and they would understand you in a whole new way because you just gave them access to the full truth, the truth of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we just anoint them with that. And Lord, for those of us that have been on the journey in various places and who knows where we're at in that journey, God, I pray that you'd help us to be aware of the power of your Spirit's leading in our lives. Lord, that we are on this journey and Lord, you saved us for so much more than simple belief. You saved us for a destiny. You saved us to do greater things than you did. God, may that be our target, not simple salvation from hell. May our target be to walk in unity with the God of this universe. Lord, we love you. Guide us along our path. Forgive us, God, for the times that we mistake and misunderstand and we abuse the grace of your Son and our Savior. Lord, we love you, we glorify you, we honor you, and we ask, Lord, that all God's people would praise your name. And all God's people said, amen.